The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. Well, coming to you straight from the EpiPet Studios, greeting pet lovers. We welcome our listeners who tune in each week from around the world. Well, Dr. Fleck, did you know that it's Severe Weather Awareness Week in Florida? No. Well, after a little research, I found out that the National Weather Service partners with the states to raise awareness about various weather-related conditions, whether it has to do with temperatures, flooding, lightning, um, earthquakes, tornadoes, wildfires, tsunamis, and monsoons, you know, and more. Uh, this is really important because weather affects our pets too. Weather, including rain and snow, temperature fluctuations, and changes in barometric pressure can affect dog behavior, similar to the effect weather can have on human moods, as well as energy levels. Most dogs can even sense when the weather is about to change. So understanding the impact weather has on your dog can help you prepare your canine companion for the forecast ahead. And I'm not just talking about a raincoat or boots or maybe deciding letting him go for a quick run in the backyard. So whether it's spring, or winter, summer, or fall, think about your pet and how they can be affected. So I wanna give you all an example of of what I'm talking about by utilizing my pets. So thunderstorms really impact my dogs. When you're a dog lover, it's really tough to watch your normally calm pup get stressed out during a thunderstorm. You know, while some dogs show mild signs of stress, maybe they're panting, you know, maybe bopping around a little bit, and other mild signs can involve licking their paws, um, but some dogs get so worked up during storms, they can get destructive. The best thing that you can do for your dog in this type of situation is to put them in a safe place, like a crate. And this is one of the reasons I always say, never get rid of your crates. Uh, Make sure that you're not using the crate as a punishment for them. You want them to think of that crate as a safe space. You want them to think of that crate as their room. So during thunderstorms, it might help cut down on the destruction as well as the whining. So another tip to prevent them from hearing the thunder or seeing the lightning so that they'll be less stressed is to put a dark cover or blanket over that crate. You also wanna provide background noise to reduce any stimulation you know one great thing is calming music or calming pet music you can check out dog music on spotify you know we talked about that i think twice in the last six months you can just go on spotify and type in dog music and subscribe or play it for your dog Um, lastly if your dog gets destructive a lot of times engaging in behavior that's chewing or licking is really self-soothing behaviors it's not self-mutilation but it is self-soothing behaviors so a great idea is to buy toys that really promote that chewing or licking behavior so think about a lick mat i know when um melissa kaufman was here from dogster she talked about a lick mat they're very inexpensive you can buy them as inexpensive as 2.99 maybe at a walmart maybe a little bit more at your local pet store 
And with that lick mat, you could smear that mat with peanut butter, cream cheese, soft bananas. Maybe if you have some like cheese whiz or something that's not too high in sodium, uh, you could smear that on that lick mat and have them work their way and lick off that that smeary spread that you're going to throw on there. Um, in addition, it's always a great idea to have calming treats. Uh, maybe a lot of them are made with hemp these days, CBD drops. Um, Anxiety vests are also helpful. Um, you might want to talk to your vet about anxiety medication, but recognizing that might take a little bit more time to work for the prescription drugs to kick in. Uh, and they might give you something like doggy Xanax, uh, Prozac or something like that. All of these are really helpful and will calm your pet down. We're moving out of winter and going into spring in the next few weeks. And we tend to see a lot of thunderstorms come through various areas around the country. Here in Florida, we're also considered almost the thunder capital uh, of the world. Uh, I know that many evenings I've been woken up by my dogs, but to learn more about weather, once you learn about it, then you can plan on doing some research about how best to help your pet. You want to visit weather.gov. But now it's time to move on. So Dr. Fleck, can you give us the rundown of this week's show? So this week on the Pet Buzz, we'll talk about a demon dog that gets adopted, a new cancer study that suggests guidelines for canine cancer screening, Royal Veterinary College's research about CCL, or cranial cruciate ligament ailments, and the breeds that are stricken with the malady, big game tips, testing, cat's blood pressure, and pet love. Love. So let's get it started with our first guest. With Valentine's Day right around the corner, many pet owners may be wondering if their pet is feeling the love. And if their pet really loves them. Mm -hmm. I personally think my pets all love me. What about you, Dr. Fleck? I, I'm sure you think that. <laughs> I don't know. That's like a double-edged sword. That's like a <laughs> bee slap. <laughs> I know. Look how lovingly they're looking at me. Yes. I know. Okay. So who's going to talk about the pet love today? Dr. Jacqueline Brister, veterinarian and consultant at Embrace Pet Insurance, shares insights about how pets feel, show, and experience love. Welcome back, Dr. Jacqueline. We are happy to have you join us today because our discussion today is something many people really do think about. And believe. And believe, yes. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Fleck. Hi, Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me back. Dr. Jacqueline, do animals really love? Do, do they feel love toward each other? Do they feel true love toward their owners? We want to know. Well, that's a great question. Uh, and we're still sort of figuring that out. Uh, but yes, animals definitely love us um, almost as much as we can love them. Um, the love that people feel is probably a little bit more complex, but animals definitely have a huge connection between their owners and the animals that live in their homes. Um, I mean, they create some really strong bonds. So yes, love, definitely. Animals definitely love. See, I told you my animals love me and Dr. Jacqueline confirmed that. Do you think your animals love you? I know my animal loves me. Okay, well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with veterinarian Dr. Jacqueline Brister, a consultant of Embrace Pet Insurance. She is discussing pet love and affection. So, Dr. Jacqueline, with love comes also, I think, a few negatives, like like jealousy. Well, but let's take a step back. Uh huh. How do they show affection? Oh, okay, yeah, I yeah. How do they show affection? That's a great question. Well, so dogs and cats are a little bit different from each other, uh, but one way that they both show affection is that they, they seek you out and they want to spend time with you. 
cats tend to be a little bit more aloof. So they'll hang out in the same room. They'll maybe mosey on over to get a little head scratch or to rub on you. Um, dogs tend to be a little bit more enthusiastic, wagging their tail, coming to see you, bringing the ball. Um, but the way they show affection is just by wanting to spend time with you. And snuggling. Oh, yes. Snuggling, cuddling, um, being near you guys, sharing warmth. What about kissing? Dogs tend to kiss more than cats do. Um, but yes, kissing is definitely one way. Um, cats, I always say it's tasting you for later, but that doesn't mean they don't like you. You know, it's really funny because I don't kiss my dog because I'm allergic to dog saliva. Hayden would get in bed at night. That's and your me, kitty. That's my kitty. Well, he's my past kitty. He would like get in bed at night. That was our quality time, like around 11 o'clock and like knead on me. And he would also, he'd lick my hand. So I guess, what does that say? Is that like a form of love too? Or I mean, love and respect? Just them trying to create that connection, um, feel that closeness. I mean, when they were babies and they had brothers and sisters, they all snuggled together. So you being a part of that community, um, being in your kitty cat circle, um, you guys snuggling, that definitely kind of echoes them as children. So for sure, that means love and, and affection. You know, it's really interesting because at Christmas time that month is really an awful time in veterinary offices and for many people that have pets because it just seems like the end of life is approaching and is taken at that time. And I do a lot of that, unfortunately, in my offices. And additionally to that, when I'm treating a pet that's ill and I watch the expressions on their face uh, as they look towards their pet parent, there's a dependency there that I'm wondering if that's part of the love, because even in my conversation, when I'm ready to treat with an injection or so, they seem to have the instinct to know it. But they're looking at that pet parent and the expressions that they have on their face tells me that there's that special relationship. And can that be part of the love, too? That's a great point, Dr. Fleck. Uh, yes, I agree that the connection that they make when they're looking to you, that that's about trust. Uh, and so animals are, are real big on trust. So for them to be able to trust you and, and look to you when they're afraid or uncomfortable, that means that it's a very deep connection. So that, that is definitely part of the love connection. Yes. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with veterinarian Dr. Jacqueline Brister, a consultant of Embrace Pet Insurance. She is discussing pet love and affection. So I have a question about the positives and the negatives about love. So <laughs> Dr. Jacqueline, with love comes a few negatives like jealousy. Do you think animals feel jealousy and how do they express it? Oh, animals certainly feel jealousy. Anybody that's got more than one animal in their house knows that if you start petting one dog, the next dog is going to come. And, and the way they show that jealousy is they're nudging you. Sometimes they'll get in between you and the other dog. And sometimes they show jealousy of other people. Uh, my husband's dog, Roxy, anytime Penny and I would get close, she would come and get in between us and like nudge herself into the situation. So they can feel jealousy of animals and other people. Yeah, even in the exam room when there's two pets and I'm examining one, the other one starts barking. Or I can't even jump just, up on yeah, the table. That's so sure. funny. Okay. Well, we've got to take a commercial break and come back with Dr. Jacqueline. Um, up next, also, Celebrity Pet Buzz and Flex Facts.
You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz. The show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Well, we're back with Dr. Jacqueline Brister discussing pet love. Dr. Fleck, do you have a question? Yeah, this is really a very relevant question. Can animals have a broken heart? Do they, do they grieve the loss of, of the loss of a loved one? whether it be a pet or a people? Yes, they certainly can. Um, I, I, I've had many situations where pet owners will call me after losing a pet and say that the other pet is seeking out their friend. Um, maybe they're a little listless, um, seem a little lost. It, it's really common for them to grieve when they lose somebody that's part of their circle or part of their bond. Humans as well. Uh, it's very common, yes. Gosh, it's like Valentine's Day. It's like the the goodness and the badness of the love. I mean, you know what I mean? Well, lastly, how can a pet owner show your love for your pet this Valentine's Day? Great point. That is a really good question. Uh, One way is to make sure that you're spending time with your pet. Um, The ways that they show affection, seeking you out, cuddling, spending time with you, um, those are the ways that you can show your love for them. Go on walks with them, play with them, give them toys and treats. Make sure those are veterinary approved, of course. Another way is that you can make sure that they're healthy. Take them to the vet. Make sure they're getting all of their appointments that they need, all their shots. Um, pet insurance is another solid way to help make sure that you're taking care of your pet and meeting their needs. Um Embrace Pet Insurance is a fantastic insurance company that always helps to make sure that you are able to take your vet, your dog or your cat to the vet when you need to. Uh, So it's really a great way to show your love for your pet is to make sure that they're taken care of and that their needs are met. And then toys, lots of toys. I think I brought some toys for Valentine's <laughs> Day because, you know, you know, oh I boy. love these toys. It says, you make my tail wag. <laughs> right? Okay. Oh, and of course, you've got to have Valentine's Day cards. So, okay, so here's what I do, everybody, just so you know. So I buy these these cat and dog cards. Just wanted you to know. I've got a soft spot for you in my heart, wishing you everything warm and cuddly. Just so you know what I do is I write the cards to my friends who have pets and I sign them as if the pets wrote them. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And people like, and I, there's still people who are wondering how, how their pet got wrote a Valentine's day card for them. One of these days they'll find out, or maybe if they listen to the show, well, I have to say, Jack, Dr. Jacqueline, w- thank you so much for being here, right, Dr. Flo? Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it was really enjoyable having you here today discussing this common pet owner concern. Love! Love, yes. 
you know, pet owner concerns. I mean, for everything. Well, I mean, it's a concern yeah. if you're wondering if your pet loves you. I mean, my three dogs are looking at me. They're not looking at you, so I know they love me. <laughs> they get you back for that. They're telling me my pets. But, Questioning but, my pet's loyalty, love, and fidelity. Oh, you're gonna, fidelity, You're going to suffer for that. Okay. <laughs> but, Doc, before you leave, can you give us your, your website? So it's EmbracePetInsurance.com. And in addition to all the information about the pet insurance on their website, they also have a great blog that covers health articles, things you need to know about your pet, all the way from any health issues they have to how to trim their toenails. So it's a great site. And I'll bet you the insurance companies, because they're worried about longevity, the more love, the longer we live. Absolutely. There you go. Well, everyone, that was veterinarian Dr. Jacqueline Brister, a consultant for Embrace Pet Insurance, discussing our pets and our love <laughs> stay tuned up next we're gonna have a little celebrity pet buzz according to bachelor alum sarah heron dogs are magical more than a week after sarah and fiance dylan brown suffered a pregnancy loss their dog has been her comfort heron wrote on instagram that her dog rio has not left her side providing her with the love and support that she needs during this difficult time you know frankly she doesn't know what she would do without him don't you agree so many of us feel like this when we suffer a loss or tragedy our dogs and cats are just lovingly there for us. I totally agree with that. Absolutely agree with that. Time now for Flex Facts. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers. I want the truth. So, Dr. Fleck, what's the topic for today? So today, I'm going to discuss why it is important to take a cat's blood pressure. You know, unfortunately, most cats are not routinely screened for high blood pressure or common diseases that cause high blood pressure. Additionally, in 80% of the cases, high blood pressure in cats is due to or associated with underlying diseases. This is called secondary hypertension. These are the two most common underlying conditions, chronic kidney disease and the most common disease associated with hypertension in cats is found up to 74% of cats with hypertension. Hyperthyroidism, a disease caused by a tumor in the thyroid gland, which is usually benign, is also commonly present in cats with hypertension. So what are the symptoms of high blood pressure in cats? Maybe none in some cases, but early signs of high blood pressure in cats are often and not noticeable to pet parents and may be only detected by routine blood pressure measurements. Unfortunately, if cats are not routinely screened for high blood pressure or common diseases that cause high blood pressure, they will only show noticeable symptoms once significant damage has already been done to the organs. The organs are then damaged by hypertension. Cats can be seen to have the effect in the eyes, the brain, the nervous system, kidneys, and the heart. So. How is high blood pressure measured in cats? I think that would be like pretty difficult, right? Technique. A cat's blood pressure is measured in the same way as humans with the systolic number over the diastolic number measured in milligrams of mercury or MMAG. 
Veterinary teams measure blood pressure in cats in a way that's similar to measuring a human's blood pressure. A cuff is placed around your cat's front leg, back leg, or tail, and then is inflated. The vet will use either a Doppler or oscillometric blood pressure device to take the reading, which is 120 over 80 millimeter Hg. The systolic blood pressure is considered in determining normal or high blood pressure in cats. This number should be less than 150 milligrams of mercury, just so you know that a human's normal blood pressure is 120 over 80 millimeters per mercury. So that means a cat's blood pressure is always a little higher than a human's. As well as their heartbeat. Okay. So what's the treatment for high blood pressure in cats? As in humans, high blood pressure in cats is treated with oral medications. Amlodipine, a calcium channel blocker, is the drug of choice used to treat feline hypertension. It comes in a pill form and is given orally once a day. If you have a hard time giving pills to your cat, your veterinary may have the medications compounded into a liquid. The goal of treatment is to minimize the symptoms associated with organ damage due to high blood pressure and to reduce your cat's blood pressure to less than 150 millimeters of mercury. In some cases, additional medications such as ACE inhibitors or telmisertan may be necessary. Aside from using medications to help lower your cat's blood pressure, your veterinarian will need to run laboratory tests to detect any underlying diseases that may contribute to the hypertension. Anything else, Dr. Flex? That's all the Flex Facts for the week. Well, you know, another week of really great reporting, something that most people don't even hear about taking blood pressure for animals, let alone cats. So I guess your advice is to get your cat's blood pressure measured, especially if you have an older cat who seems to be experiencing some issues, correct? That is correct. And we have a pioneer program that we've opened up at our clinics. Fantastic. Well, we're going to take a commercial break and come back with the I Like You of the Week, as well as the Pet Buzz mailbag. And of course, our next guest. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Welcome back. You're listening to The Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio, where we focus on enhancing the bond between pets and their people. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Well, we're kicking off this segment with the I Likey of the Week, and we're going to talk about love. That's the way it has to be, because that's the way I like it. It's genius. I like it. I love it so much. I like it. It's to die for. Well, Valentine's Day is all about love, and your pets deserve to be showered with it. Pet parents look for any excuse to shower their pets with love and affection, but Valentine's Day gives you a special reason to do something extra. Whether you give them a special treat, a themed dog bed, or a new toy, you can find a very large selection of Valentine's Day toys and treats at PetSmart. I love seasonal toys, so these soft cloth toys are great for smuggling. This one I have in my hand says, you make my tail wag. 
another one I have says smooches. Love that. So, yeah. So these soft toys are great for snuggling, fetching, and resting a tired pet head on it. Check them out at PetSmart.com for more gift ideas. Check out the Pet Buzz YouTube channel. Charlotte, did I hear you correctly? We got mail? Yeah, we got mail. You've got mail. Charlotte Jean from North Carolina wrote that she is having a big game party and she is worried about her pets with all the hubbub. She wants you to chime in on her pet concerns. Well, Jean, thank you so much for writing. You know, the big, big game Sunday is a great time to gather with friends and family, but don't let a trip to the emergency vet ruin the festivities be sure to follow my tips on how to keep your pets safe during your party during this time of the year okay so let's start out with team spirit you know i always say dress your dog with either an eagles or chiefs jersey or t-shirt make sure to take plenty of pictures also you want to make sure the jerseys or the t-shirts fit correctly and that you have the correct size and that your dog or cat feels comfortable worrying about it the other thing is you don't want to fumble the food chicken wings fatty meats chocolate guac alcohol and soda can really cause pets discomfort and pain so you got to make sure these foods are out of your pet's reach it's also a good idea to keep your furry friends away from the chip and the dip because chips are very salty and many dips contain onion and garlics trail mix with raisins or macadamia nuts should also be avoided as these are toxic to pets so here's an idea make your pup their own party dry put some shredded baked chicken breast on it no seasoning of course in the middle and then surround it with baby carrots and maybe apple slices for dessert okay so let's talk trash now let's tackle the trash trash left out on plates such as bones fat and toothpicks could be dangerous if ingested by your pets you always want to make sure that the counters are free of trash and that food that's left out is being watched and that any trash has been disposed of properly in a trash bag that is not accessible to pets as you guys have heard me say you know i love a locked trash can like the one from simple human and of course here is one of the most important tips all good team players use the locker room. So if you're planning to have guests over and you know that your peppy might be anxious by the situation of having all the holiday hubbub, all of the guests, prepare a separate room with your pet's bed, water and feeding bowls, favorite toys where they can go and be away from all of the excitement of guests. Ask your veterinarian if anxiety medication or pheromone therapy would definitely help your pet during this special day. And it's always a good idea to keep guests out of this room. You know, really, you wanna remind guests that you need to make sure pets do not go out of bounds. So many guests go out for a smoke, they wanna to toss the football around in between the quarters. So it's important to remind them to keep doors and windows closed the pets do not escape from your house now i'm going to give you my last tip of advice i would remind your guests in a separate email or when they walk through the door that you have pets and it's important for them not to leave drinks and food on low tables or keep them too close to the barbecue so that your pets do not get injured well lastly gene i hope you have a great party on big game day and if you're in doubt about pet safety board your pets for the day hey it seems as though our next guests are on the phone charlotte can you introduce them sure 
CCL, cranial cruciate ligament ruptures are common in humans, especially with professional athletes. You know that because you're a big football fan, such as football and soccer players. Absolutely. Suffering from the same condition. But dogs suffer with this malady, too. A new study from the Royal Veterinary College in London explores the reasons for CCL ruptures in dogs, as well as the factors influencing how it's managed clinically. The research also identifies which breeds are most at risk for CCL. And joining us today is Camilla Pegram, Vet Compass PhD student at the RVC and lead author of the paper, as well as one of our favorite guests, veterinarian, Dr. Dan O'Neill, Associate Professor in Companion Animal Epidemiology at the RVC, and the co-author of the paper. A big hello to both of you. And hello hey. to both of you. It's a real honor to be here. Thank you. We're excited to have them both. And you know, it's so fascinating. I hate to say this, but Camilla is so young. So it's actually interesting <laughs> to see. I can't wait to hear from her. And, and Doc and I both recognize it's great to have youth come into our profession. So <laughs> let's start out with you, youth. What is CCL and how does it affect the dogs? So CCL, it stands for cranial cruciate ligament. Uh, so essentially, it is one of the ligaments in a dog's knee joint. Um, and it's similar, as you said, to the anterior cruciate ligament or ACL in humans. Um, and essentially, when it functions, it sort of prevents the shin bone from sort of shifting forward relative to the thigh bone. Um, but in some dogs, and it's not um, sort of completely clear as to why this happens, but it can degenerate or weaken over time. So it partly or it fully tears um, or ruptures. And that then causes pain for the dog. It causes limping and lameness, um, which can vary in its sort of degree and severity. Um, and many dogs that then have a CCL rupture end up having long-term arthritis as well. And I might add a lot of anxiety for the pet owner, too. I was thinking the, the same parent. thing. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Dr. Dan, what breeds suffer from this ailment and why do pet owners need to know about this? Yeah, do you know, that's a really good question. And even the comment you just said earlier about when dogs get injured, the dogs suffer, but the owners suffer as well. Um, and part of that suffering is almost the anticipation of the risk. So owners often suffer worrying about whether their dog will get ill, not only when they do get ill. Uh, within this study, it's a vet compass study, we, we included over half a million dogs in the study, and this showed very clear breed risks. Two main types of breeds, there was two big breeds, the Rottweiler and the Golden Retriever. I know in the US, you absolutely love Golden Retrievers. They, they were um, hugely at increased risk. The Rottweiler, three and a half times higher risk compared to crossbreeds and the Golden Retriever about twice. But then we had a bunch of small breeds as well, the, the Bichon Frise, the West Highland White Terrier, the Yorkshire Terrier and the Jack Russell Terrier, um, also at about double the risk compared to crossbreeds. So, so owners of those particular breeds need to be aware that if their dog suddenly goes lame on a hind leg um, and the, the knee joint or the stifle joint seems painful, um, straight away they got to think this could be a cruciate rupture or an anterior cruciate ligament rupture in human terms. But I also think this information is really important because these breeds are very popular. So and so many times people find a breed that they like and they learn about trading food and behavior 
and they think of themselves walking the dog at the dog park and hanging out with meetup groups, but they really don't think about the cost or the health cost associated with the particular breeds. I also think this discussion is very important because I practice every day, see approximately 40 patients a day. And almost every day, I can tell you that I see a lameness that can be associated with this cranial uh, ligament rupture or damage, let's put it that way. So really, as, and I'm glad, Doc, that you talked about recognizing the anxiety of the pet owner. I have more of a problem treating the pet owner than I do the pet. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with RVCs, that's Royal Veterinary College in London, Camilla Pegram and Dr. Dan O'Neill about the latest research, their latest research, which focuses on CCL and the breeds that are most likely to suffer from it. Okay, so I'm a pet owner now. So Camilla, talk to us about treatment options and what are contributing factors for deciding that course of treatment for that individual? Yeah, so the treatment options really boil down to whether the dog has surgery or not. And there are sort of a number of surgical techniques possible and available. And essentially the aim of surgery is to stabilize that knee joint. If a dog doesn't have surgery, then, you know, it tends to be sort of a combination of pain management, weight management, um, you know, some physiotherapy, hydrotherapy tend to be recommended. But those also can be recommended in dogs sort of after having surgery. And in terms of the contributing factors to that decision, um, that's actually something obviously our study explored and looked at. Um, and we found that the larger dogs and insured dogs um, are more likely to have surgery whereas the older dogs and dogs that have another health issue were less likely to have surgery. Um, at the moment, it's not actually completely clear which of those routes is better. Um, so we do actually have an, another study <laughs> that's sort of exploring the outcomes of surgery uh, versus not surgery. So do watch this space <laughs> for the results of that, because I think that will be very useful to, to pet owners making that decision. We're going to take a commercial break and come back with Ms. Hegram and Dr. Dan O'Neill of RVC discussing CCL and the impact that it has on pets as well as pet owners. Also up next, Global Pet News and Tell Me Something Good. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck here at the Pet Buzz. We are urban, suburban, and, and country. country. So we're back with veterinarian Dr. Dan O'Neill and Camilla Pegram of the Royal Veterinary College in London, and we're talking about their research on CCL. Dr. Fleck, you have a question. Yeah, Camilla, I'm going to ask you a question about pet insurance, but just as you described that the two options are surgery or not surgery, what, what are the issues if we choose not to do surgery? Is that dangerous for the pet for recovery if surgery is continued later on? So, I mean, it can vary depending on the individual dog, um, because it might be there are circumstances where surgery might not be the best actually for that patient, um, whereas there might be other um, other sort of dogs where actually surgery would probably be the way to go. So I think that can be quite an individual dog um, decision, which obviously with their vet, they can sort of have that discussion. So. I think that's why it's obviously interesting for our study to have explored the reasons. Um, and then, like I say, sort of doing more um, studies to find out actually what are the outcomes in these dogs if they have surgery or not um, to help owners. But it can be sort of quite an individual um, decision. So I know that you said that more 
pet owners with pet insurance more inclined to have the surgery, correct? I mean, that was one of the findings of the study. Did you also look at economics of pet owners or will you do that in the future? Because some people, you know, they're rich <laughs> and they have money and they still might not get the surgery. Yeah, the whole story of the economics and the insurance is, a, is an absolutely fascinating one that Camilla and I were looking into in this study. That it, but it's much more complex even than you would think. So insurance, so 68%, two out of three of all these dogs with a ruptured cruciate end up with surgery. The surgery itself can be very expensive, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand pounds, convert that to dollars. And, you know, it's probably even more expensive in the US. So there were huge economic issues, but dogs that had insurance were also way more likely to be diagnosed in the first place, um, up to six times more likely to be diagnosed if you had insurance to compare it if, if you didn't have insurance. And that really is telling us that by having pet insurance, not only do you get the treatment if you have the diagnosis, but you're much more likely to be diagnosed in the first place. Well, anyway, yeah. last question for you, Dr. Dan. Why are studies such as these so important for pets, their owners, as well as veterinarians? That's actually a really good question. So this is almost a background type question. The, the, the studies that we're doing are big data studies, right? So within Vet Compass, we have about 30% of all UK veterinary practices feeding us in all the data they record on their computer systems every day, right? So this is millions of animals, 20 million in fact, right? These sort of studies are really useful because for the first time ever, we can get real world data on what's happening to real world dogs, up until now, it was just a tiny subset of dogs that maybe pitched up at a university, like very unusual disorders and getting very unusual types of care, really high level care. Second thing is all these millions of animals are owned by real world owners. So this is, that Compass is a, a citizen science type project where actually every owner is contributing by sharing the data on their dogs. And up until now, certainly when I was in practice, I spent most of my time cursing the darkness. In other words, I wanted to know the answer to questions like, which breed is the most likely to get cruciate disease? And I would just curse and curse and curse the darkness. But now, finally, with Vet Compass, we're, we're maybe able to light a little candle and let a little bit of light in. And, and that's really what we're trying, Camilla and I and the rest of us in the Vet Compass team, is just trying to light a little candle and shine a little bit of word, light on the world to help owners make better choices, thinking maybe they will think rationally and choose a healthier breed, help veterinary surgeons maybe to diagnose dogs earlier by knowing which ones are predisposed, um, and just improve the life of dogs a little bit by using good evidence and good data. Not only improve the life of the animal, but improve that relationship between that animal and that pet owner. Because it, it is always the dog and the owner. It's never the dog on its own or the owner on its own. It's a dyad. It's a pairing of the two of them. And, and as soon as you get a pet, your life is entwined with that pet from that moment on. So when the pet gets sick, you, you get sick and you suffer as well. So it is really important to keep the pets healthy to actually keep the owners healthy as well. God, we could go on and on and on. We could. But it's time to wrap it up now. So thank you so much for Dr. Dan and Camilla for stopping by and visiting with us, discussing your latest research pertaining to CCL. But before you go, Camilla, would you kindly give us your website for more investigation? Yes. So it is rvc.ac.uk forward slash vet compass. And Dr. Dan? That's exactly the same website. So we use the same website and we have all our papers there. We have open access data. 
all of these papers have colorful infographics that any veterinary surgeon or owner can download. Everything is open access and free at that website. And I personally want to thank you for the efforts that you do. It is so important for our pet's health, what you do. So great. Thank you. Thank you. That's very kind. Thank you. Well, just to remind you, that was Camilla Pagram, Vet Compass PhD student at RVC and lead author of the paper, as well as veterinarian Dr. Dan O'Neill, associate professor in companion animal epidemiology, also at RVC discussing CCL in dogs. This is another study that emphasizes the need to do your research before buying a dog so you will know the health problems as well as possible costs associated with these health problems. Yes. Great interview. Time for Global Pet News. And now, Pet Buzz News from around the globe. Well, cancer is the leading cause of death in dogs. The American Veterinary Medical Association estimates that almost half of all of the dogs by the age of 10 will eventually develop the potential deadly disease. You know, common U.S. breeds at above average lifetime risk of developing cancer include Burmese Mountain Dogs, Golden Retrievers, Great Danes, and German Shepherds. Like cancer in people, the cause is multifactorial, including both genetic and environmental influences. You know, certain breeds of dogs may harbor genetic variants that increase their risk of developing certain cancers. Well, a pet DX study led by pet DX Jill Ralphko, a researcher and chief medical officer, and Dr. Andy Flory was published in the journal Plowus one and was aimed to determine the age of which individual breeds of dogs should start being screened for cancer. Since cancer develops over time, it's reasonable to start screening for cancer two years before the typical age at which cancer is diagnosed. This means that all dogs should begin cancer screenings at age seven, but some large dogs and dogs belonging to specific breeds that have been associated or identified with cancer, their pet owners may benefit from screening these dogs as early as age four. Moreover, it's also important to know in 2021, the Pet DX lab team developed a new liquid biopsy test that is also able to detect 30 different types of cancer with just a blood sample. So if your dog is one of these breeds or is a large dog or is over the age of seven, maybe it would be a good time to get your dog screened for this deadly disease. Well, it's time to end the show and let's end on a good note. News of the day got you down? No worries. Pet trendologist Charlotte Reed is here with Tell Me Something Good. This is a necessity like air and oxygen. Tell me something good. Well, here's great news. Ralphie, the French bulldog, who, despite the Niagara SPCA, called him a 26-pound jerk in a viral adoption ad, the pup's been rehomed. The original viral Facebook post about the dog on January 17 claimed that Ralphie is a terror in a somewhat small package. He was deemed a fire-breathing demon. The post also went on to say that their best guess for the little dog's poor behavior is that his cute face got him whatever he wanted and boundaries are something that maybe you heard people talk about but they didn't apply to him typical we love our dogs and sometimes they're so cute we let them get away with stuff well anyway getting back to ralphie ralphie was surrendered by his original owner 
Then he was returned. And then he was, as we know, adopted again. Well, in an update on February 4th, the Niagara SPCA said that Ralphie has been doing really well in his new home with a family that loves him. The shelter shared a note from his new mom. And in the note, she said, you know, I don't even know where the name Demon Dog came from. And although she's been seeing a few things, a few concerns, she's pretty convinced it's nothing that the family can't work on and get figured out. So we wish Ralphie and his new family the best of luck. I applaud this family, Dr. Fleck, who took on the Ralphie challenge. And I only wish more people would adopt dogs with special needs, even if these are behavioral needs. Most likely, the prior owners contributed to Ralphie's problems. You know, a lot of people don't realize a French bulldog is not necessarily for a first time owner. They can be really stubborn. So a fresh start for Ralphie is most definitely something good. Well, did you hear those bells, Dr. Fleck? Already? Yup, the bells represent that it's time to wrap the show. But before we go, we want to give you a preview of next week's show. Next week, we're talking about Pet Dental Health Month and the worst pet food ingredients. Dr. Fleck, would you be so kind as to thank our guests? I sure could. Special thanks to our guests, veterinarian Dr. Jacqueline Brister and veterinarian Dr. Dan O'Neill and Camilla Pegram. And we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin-coated ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. If you have any questions, write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. We'll try to cover it on next week's show. And if you've missed any portion of the show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channels and listen to the Link podcast on Monday morning. And most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you Take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. www.thepetbuzz.com Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.